It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. It's presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. And Rick, if we recorded this podcast at halftime of the game, it probably would not have sounded like it's going to sound now. And maybe it shouldn't sound like it's going to sound now. But somehow, someway, this team is 3-1 and one with a couple of three-point victories. Zach Taylor going into this year was 0-6-1 in three-point games. He's 2-1 and one this year in three-point games. Um, there's a lot to dissect both good and bad. I'm going to guess it's mostly good because that was still, you come back from 14, nothing down when it looked like you slept walk through the first half. Sometimes whether you're a great team or a bad team, if you're going to have a season go the way you want, you better find a way to win games like tonight. Well, this isn't college football. So how you win the games really doesn't matter at all. Right. A win is a win is no, a win no, in yeah, the NFL. No style points, right? Yeah, yeah. And in college, it's different. And, and it does matter the way you look and the way you win a game. But in the NFL, there's only 32 teams. Everybody's getting paid a lot of money. You get a win. You take it any way you can get it. So you have to start right there. I mean, kudos to the team for finding a way to get to three and one. And yeah, you could argue a couple of these games could have gone the other way and they could have a worse record, but you could also argue very easily skinny that they should be four and over. No doubt. That's a great point. Absolutely. And that's not a position that we expected this team to be in. We both had them at two and two when we were going through the schedule and trying to predict what they would be. So they're a game up on where you expected and kudos to Zach Taylor, kudos to the team for putting themselves in that position. Now, all that being said, there are still plenty of reasons to have some concerns about this team and the way tonight's game played out. But the second half, I think, is where you have to start when you talk about this game and the play of Joe Burrow, because everybody in Cincinnati has been really confident in this guy and has felt like Cincinnati has their franchise quarterback. But I think tonight, the second half of this game was the first time we really got to see that Joe Burrow magic that made him who he was at LSU late in that season. It was the first time that we saw the broken plays and him directing traffic. We saw him getting into his bag at the line of scrimmage and and calling that audible to CJ Uzama that won the game. We saw him putting pinpoint passes on the money. He just looked like he was unstoppable and could do whatever he wanted in the second half of that game. That was Tom Brady-like. It really was. It really was. I mean, it was so surgical. Um, You know, I'll even give you a a throw that, that, goes under the radar that little choice route that that Tyler uh, Boyd ran over the middle on third and whatever third and five and he and, and the coverage was great I mean the, the guy was stuck on him and he zips one in and, and I think Dan Horn asked the question of Tyler Boyd did that hit, or it might have been Jeff Hobbs, whatever it was said did that hit you in the face mask because I mean it was a ball where you're like oh my gosh how did he catch that or d- did it catch him and Joe zipped that thing in there. I mean, the back shoulder throw to, to, to Trent Irwin along the sideline. I mean, there's so many. That was a great could, throw. Yeah, there's so many throws and a great catch, too. But, yeah, there's so many throws you can dissect that you just, I mean, he was 17 of 20 for 253 and an almost perfect passer rating in the second half uh, it, when it mattered. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you were doing that against. Uh, you know, cover two deep shell and they're letting you hit six yard check downs and you're just matriculating it down the field. No, those throws mattered, man. And and when it was the biggest of all, he was five of five on the last drive. Uh, it, it was it, I'm kind of with you. I mean, there, there's been parts of me over the last, you know, year plus of Joe going. He's pretty good. He's going to be 
pretty good. And I, I've even said this and I'll say it again on the podcast. I'm like, I, I hope he's as good as Andy Dalton. I think he's going to probably be. And tonight you go, no, he does other things that, you know, that, that Andy didn't do, couldn't do not all the time. Andy did it some in fairness, but tonight was the one where you're like, this is where this guy has a chance to be so different. And that was what was so cool. Yeah, he, he's special. And that's what you saw in the second half. He's shown enough to this point with different throws, with different late game plays, and even just his rookie year, the way he looked ready and he says all the right things. But a lot of the Joe Burrow narrative is he was special in college and he seems so mature and so cool since he's arrived at the NFL. It really wasn't as much about him taking over a game and dominating with his play at any point yet. And, and you don't necessarily expect that, especially with the team no, he's had right, around right, him. Right. But tonight we saw it. I mean, he took over that game and it just seemed like he was going to do whatever he needed to do. And you really couldn't stop him from doing that. Like if they needed a touchdown on that final drive, instead of a field goal, I have zero doubt in my mind. He was going to put them in the end zone. Oh, agree. Cause they obviously had plenty of time. If they would have wanted to do that, to go ahead and, and finish that drive off with a touchdown. Um, and, and you're right. And, and, you know, Rick, to, to your point, I mean, his three best passer rating games, and I know people look at passer rating again, it's a number you can extrapolate however you want. It's not be all end all. It's not perfect, but it is a number that it's usually amazing that the best quarterbacks in the league usually have a really good passer rating and the guys who aren't really good don't his three best passer ratings of his career have come in the three wins this year. I don't think that's coincidence. I think that's him evolving. I mean, in a big way, we're not talking about best passer rating being a 96, which is pretty good, or a 98. We're talking 128, 120, whatever the heck it was last week, 121, and 130-something today with a 152 in the second half. I mean, that's insane. That tells you dude's getting it. And, and again, the funny part is you go back to even the Chicago game. Um, you can't take them away, and you don't take them away, and you can't, you know, shouldn't take them away. You take three interceptions away. That wasn't a bad day either. So... Um, yeah, he, he, he's, he's something. And, um, it's so funny because there were times tonight in person. And I don't know if you could catch it on TV, Rick, and I'm not trying to be the guy that goes, oh, I was there and you weren't, or anybody else wasn't, but Trevor Lawrence's arm talent is just silly. It's just, it's absurd. It's, it's better than Joe Burrow's. It really is. But Joe Burrow just makes plays and he makes things happen and he puts the ball in the right spots and he gets you in the right. I mean, the fact that he checked to that screen to CJ Uzama, who's never repped it. I mean, he checks to this. He looks and goes, right, they're going to zero blitz. Oh, CJ, you're probably not in the spot you're supposed to be in. In, in theory, that was the way the formation came out, but that's where you are. I'm just going to run it to you because you're a smart guy. I'm going to trust you to make the play and guys to block. And guess what? There it was. Game, set, match. Have a good night. I mean, that's that's special. Yeah, I think everyone saw at, as the play was happening that Joe made a check at the line there. And was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, obviously, he 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 made a good check. And then Dan Orlovsky had a little video right after the game where he was kind of breaking it down. Hey, he saw a, a cover zero. All right. that blitz come in. This is why he checked to this little receiver screen he probably didn't like the personnel grouping exactly but you know what have you and then we get the story after the game which right. is just so much fun this is why you want joe burrow this is who he was supposed to be is he has that ability and the gunslinger mentality to take that chance and say you know what i don't care if that cj zom out there in the wide receiver spot to run this little jailbreak screen we're going to do it because it's going to work and i know it we're going to take the chance and i'm going to win the game for us and that's exactly what happened you mentioned C.J. Uzama. He goes five catches, 95 yards, 
two touchdowns in this one. He looked like one of those Kittle, Kelsey, big-time tight end targets with his playmaking in this game. Skinny, is is there something more here to uncover with Joe Burrow and C.J. Uzama? Can he be a bigger threat in this passing game, especially with the added weapons like Jamar Chase this year? Or was this just a, a one-off situation with a good matchup? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I think it's probably a one-off, um, but it was, it was, there were, I mean, there were the two touchdowns, um, the one on the scramble drill where he runs behind the, the, the guy that kind of dropped into the zone coverage, Josh Allen, and, and got behind him. There was the catch and run touchdown in the first half. And there was the jailbreak screen where he's not supposed to be the guy on the jailbreak screen. So part of me goes, maybe if I'm Zach Taylor and look and say, Ooh, maybe I need to evolve this a little more and involve, involve that guy. Cause I, I've been one that all along um, when people had talked about, um, you know, Kyle Pitts of being a draft pick and, and, and making the tight end position more, I, I, I was one that said, no, it's just not what they do. It's not what he wants to do. And I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with those guys being blockers. And when they're not in the game, you're going three or four wide. And that's, that's all fine. But then tonight you see, and you go, well, can he be a weapon? Maybe he can. And if you go back to last year, um, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think CJ had, I want to say eight to 10 catches in the first two games combined and caught the first Joe Burrow. I know he caught the first Joe Burrow touchdown pass ever and then blew his Achilles out in game two. And that was that. But he was off to a fast start. It makes me wonder, is he a guy that Joe Joe just absolutely trusts in certain circumstances? Um, you can argue that, no, the last two games he didn't do much. And really, up until then, he had four catches for 39 yards, and one of those was a 32-yarder against Minnesota. But you watch tonight, you're like, well, you know, maybe. And, and so I want to see this evolve even more because it was pretty impressive what he put on film tonight for sure. We had talked coming into this game about for Zach Taylor, you'd lose a lot of credibility if you came out and you lost this one after playing so well at Pittsburgh. It was a big game for him, and that first half couldn't have gone any worse. I mean, that was an all-time low point, I think, over the last three years for Bengals fans. The halftime of this game where you're going up against a bad Jacksonville team, a winless Jacksonville team, and you have that lackluster of a performance. It was bad in every phase of the game. You, you made bad decisions in the kick return game and special teams. Yep. Your defense couldn't stop anybody, and Trevor Lawrence. And, and, was, McPherson, and McPherson missed a field goal, too. McPherson missed a field goal, that's right. Lawrence was just running the little read option every third down and converting it for them as he continued to carve up your defense. You weren't able to stop their rushing attack. And then on the offensive side, you were just discombobulated, whether it was weird play calling like a second and 16 run, whether it was guys committing penalties to set yourself back, or if it was just sometimes it doesn't always work out. You just get off to a bad start. And that was all of those things were going wrong for the Bengals in the first half. They turned around in the second half in incredible fashion. I guess my question for you, Skinny, is did this game raise your confidence in Zach Taylor? Did it change how you feel about him? It, did it mean anything or was it just kind of it is what it is, and they found a way. I think it's the latter. I think it is, and I hate to use it. It is what it is, and they found a way, but I think that's exactly what it was. Um, you know, to this stage, and this is going to sound terrible because I know I'm going to probably get crushed for this. You still haven't beaten anybody of significance. You just haven't. I mean, Minnesota's probably the best team you've beaten, and they're, and they're still, maybe middle of the pack. Right, because Pittsburgh's just dreadful. 
This team is dreadful. I think this team is actually going to win a game at some point. They've lost 19 straight, but they're going to win. They're going to win a handful. They've got too much talent and, and they're going to get it. They're, they're kind of where the Bengals were maybe arguably in Zach Taylor's first year as a head coach uh, with a new quarterback this time around. So yeah, I'm kind of, it is what it is. Um, but what it is is three and one. And I can't discount that fact either that, you know what? You had a chance to lose the Minnesota game and you won. You had a chance to lose this game and you won. And you almost won game two when you played off and threw three picks on three straight plays and almost still won that game if your defense gets a stop. If your defense gets off the field in that game, you got the ball back with about two minutes and 40 seconds left with Joe Burrow playing quarterback down 2017. I'm okay with it. I mean, tonight I was okay taking over the 10-yard line with five minutes to go and going, yeah, he'll do something right. And he did. So, yeah, I'm kind of it is what it is. I, maybe you're different in that regard. I, I just can't go higher than that. That's the best I can do. Well, maybe a better way to, to put it is, was the turnaround more about scheme and adjustments and all of those types of things? Or was it more about just executing better? And yeah, you know, because I mean, to a certain extent, you can say the play calling looked better, but it also looked better because on second down when they ran, the offensive line was blocking and Joe Mixon was picking up yardage when he ran the ball instead of getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, you, you can say it's on the coaches and to a certain extent, I think it is. But it's also on the players. Like you got to hold your blocks. You got to give Joe Mixon a hole. Right. I, I do. Th- yes, and I agree with that. Um, I will say I. I think once they got to fourteen seven, it happened quickly, right? Because it was, you know, I think a Joe Mixon run, then the forty four yard to chase, and then another play, and then the touchdown pass to Uzama. So four plays in, you're within fourteen seven. You get a three and out, and you're back on the field offensively. I think at that point they did start to line up and run the ball better. That next drive, Mixon ran seven times for thirty eight yards on an, uh, what, an 86-yard touchdown drive that led to a touchdown. So they, they tied it. So I think it allowed them to get back into some better run situations. I think that they, I don't know why they do this. I think they just, they, 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 they abandoned the run so quickly. And it was funny, um, uh, Kelsey Conway, who covers the, the, the Bengals for the Enquirer, the the Bengals remember the very first play of the game. They're down at the nine. She goes, let me predict this play. It's a run. I said, I think you're right, except I think it's going to be a bootleg because they've self-scouted and they ran a bootleg and then they threw the ball on. I think the first five passes of the game and that's okay in theory, but I still, you, you got to line up and run the football. You're paying Joe Mixon money and don't do it out of the shotgun. He's not as good out of the shotgun. He's better when Joe's under center and you can run the little stretch play and the zone read and you got uh, or the or the zone blocking scheme and you got him able to pick holes. Him in the shotgun is him going, All right, I took the handoff and now where am I supposed to go? Where can I go? As opposed to, yeah, we're going to slant this left. We're going to slant this right. I got guys zone blocking. I'm going to find a crease and I'm going to hit the crease and go. That's where he's really good. And I don't think they do. I think they either abandon that. I don't know why. I don't think they, they think it's cuter to spread people out and throw it listen i'm not trying to go old school live formation football guy here man i'm not but i think they're better when they do that i really do well they're definitely better in the run game when they get under center on those little toss plays or stretch plays the outside i i like the zone blocking scheme this group seems to do well with that but i I guess the way i look at it is is like this 
you have to give credit to Zach Taylor and his coaching staff yes. because they yes. absolutely made adjustments. They found the Uzama matchup that they clearly exploited in the second half. And I put a lot of that on Joe Burrow. I mean, that's who I'm really more confident yes. in after this game is Joe Burrow looks like a guy that can take over a game. He looks like a guy that can get you out of bad play calls or at least read a defense and get you into a better one when need be and when the game's on the line. So I'm really confident in this team going forward with Joe Burrow. And, I, and, and, and Rick, and Rick, to, to the same thing along those lines about adjustments. I mean, Jacksonville ran the ball all over them in the first half, right? They went nine for 24 rushing in the second half. So obviously Luana Rumo did some things to take the read option away from, from, from Lawrence. He was, um, he was three for 10 in the second half after being five for 28 in the first half. And that included them stuffing him at the line of scrimmage. Some of that scrambles, but a lot of it was, as you mentioned, read options on third downs. Um, they kind of shut that running game down in the second half. And I think that was a big, big key to the game too. They did. They did. And that, and that's what I'm saying. You have to give them credit for doing those things that there were clearly some adjustments made. Now, again, I think some of that was the players executing better in the second yeah. half and you put Who that knows? on them and you give Joe Burrow credit for him being essentially perfect in the second half, but it's the NFL and they found a way to win. Now the concern is why do you keep getting behind? I mean, we've seen the same thing in a few weeks in a row now where yep. you put yourself behind the eight ball uh, really the whole season now you've been a second half team more so, or at least late first half into second half team. You put yourself in a bad situation. And again, these are all bad teams that you're playing. Yes, you're three and one, but you're playing bad teams. You can't put yourself in a 14 0 hole against, against the, the, the Packers right. or the chiefs. And you can't, especially can't do it when let's face it. The Jaguars should have scored a third touchdown. There oh, in the yeah. first half, at, up 21, nothing. Well, I mean, that was, that was a huge, I mean, that, that play, was arguably, and I'm not a big turning point guy. I'm not even sure what that ever means. It could be the turning point where I walked out of bed that day and did, didn't go to the bathroom the right way. I mean, that, that was the turning point of my day. Is I, you know what? I, I, you know, I went and took a leak and I didn't, didn't do it correctly. And that was kind of the turning point of my day. So I'm not a big turning point guy, but I do think that was the turning point of the game. But you're right. I mean, to a large degree, they got to figure out a way to get off to a better start. And, 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 and Burrow kind of alluded to that a little bit too. And I'm and I, I think I go back to what I talked about last week, and I hate to beat the horse on that. But what is your identity? If you want to make your identity Joe Burrow dropping back and slinging that damn thing all over the place, that's fine. I don't think that's your identity. I think it's a big part of what you do. I think your identity is get under center and run the football and play action pass off of it and hit home runs. And let's go. I, I think that's a part of it is a almost it's almost like a feeling out process of let's try a little of this. Let's try a little of the empty. Let's try a little of the, the, the three tight end personnel. Let's try a little of the 11 personnel, the 12 person. Give me an identity of what you do and just go do it. Look, I hear you. And I've certainly had my issues with their play calling and them figuring out who they are as well. But to the point of them getting an empty and getting that shotgun, Burrow was 14 of 16 for 153 yards and one touchdown in and, empty and, formation. And, and Rick, I'm again, if that's what you want, but, but give you want that identity to be that, that's fine. I'm with you, but then be aggressive and commit to it. Yes. Right. Let's go score 40 and, points. And, and not and not those six yard slants. Let's right. go back and sling that thing a few times. Not every time. I'm not here to tell you just drop back and throw a bomb every time you do back in the old AFL days. But if that's what you're going to do, okay, fine. Then let's do that and let's just commit to that. Commit to something. And that's where I think that they just go through a half going, 
I think we want to try a little of this, a little of that, a little of this, a little of that. Okay. And then at halftime go, all right, what can we do to make this right? Well, let's go to this. And and that's why I, I honestly, when they went to 14 to seven, Rick, remember that drive of, it was Joe, it was a pretty heavy dose of Joe Mixon running the ball and, and Joe Burrow under center. I'm fine with that too. Just commit to something and say, this is what we do. You guys stop it. Good luck. Yeah. And, and again, I realize how silly this sounds when the Bengals are three and one to start the season. And we're talking about, they yeah, need but to you, find identity but, and play call, but, but it, you don't want fool's gold. You don't want fool, fool's gold. Fool's gold. I mean, that's, it is. that's exactly right. It, this isn't sustainable. What you've done in the first half of these games is not going to work next no. week. And it's not going to work in the second half of your schedule. So, I mean, I, even after this three and one start, I went back through the schedule today. I go, Hey, this defense is clearly better than I expected. Yep. Some of these other teams may not be as good. Let me go through the schedule again and see where I'm at now that the Bengals are off to a three and one start and skinny. I thought they would win six games before the season started. What are you at? doing it tonight? I'm at seven wins. They stole one win, Still, which is wow. exactly, you wow. know I mean? I just I don't think they've really changed my opinion that much about who they are yet. Now, granted, this is way more fun to watch than if they're one and three and playing no question, a similar right. way. That's right. right. No, no doubt. I, I mean, it's definitely kudos to Zach, kudos to Joe for finding a way to get this team moving in the right direction. They're clearly making progress. I'm not trying to be sour about them at all, but there are some realities here of who they're playing against and and whether or not this will continue to work. You talked about the turning point of the game. That Logan Wilson play when he stuffed Trevor Lawrence at the goal line, it didn't feel like the turning point to me at that time. But once you <laughs> got right. in the second half and they made that comeback really quickly, you all of a sudden realized how big of a deal it was that it wasn't three touchdowns and it was only two. And um, it, this guy, Logan Wilson, man, he's the real deal. Ten tackles once again, four solo. He got credit for the sack when he chased him out of bounds. He had a yeah, tackle that, for that, loss. That, that was not much of a sack, but you're right. He did get credit for it. So yeah, but I mean, he he just he played well. I thought him and Trey Hendrickson really stood out again in this game. Yeah, uh, it was funny though. There was a bunch of times Trey would rush, and there would be linebackers that would occasionally blitz, and they would pause for a second because I think they were afraid of Trevor Lawrence. I'm t- I'm telling you, Rick, in person. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to do that to anybody, but I'm just telling you in person, that guy, you go, oh, my word, is he athletic? And oh, my word, is his arm talent ridiculous? Uh, and I think they kind of there was kind of those times where he would rush and go, um, I don't want you to juke me out and I don't want you to spin out and get big plays. I'm supposed to contain you. And that's what I'm going to do. There were a couple of times where literally Trey Hendrickson rushed. And it was like he put his hands out like, don't get away from me. I see you in front of me. Just stay where you are. I mean, that that's how hard Trevor Lawrence was to, to play against. But you're right. I mean, I thought one of the big one of the really big plays that almost came back to bite the Bengals and it, the fourth down stop helped them was Trey Hendrickson sacking um, sacking uh, Lawrence on that third on that second down play. It would have been third and goal from the and 18 freaking Von Bell. Correct. Von Bell got got caught for holding, which I just I don't get. I mean, if you're going to get beat, you're going to get beat. I mean. At that point, I know I, I got a bunch of tweets from people going, well, the hold came after the after the sack. I don't care. I'm sorry. I don't care. I just know what the officials called. That's all I know. That's all I can play with. That's all I can deal with. I can't deal with your hyperbole or your subjectiveness or, or your actually. Yeah, your 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 own opinions. I just know what the call was and what should have been. What should have been was a sack. And that was a huge play. And thank goodness they stopped them. And I, I will go back to the I mean, the fourth down stop. Rick, in this league, 21 nothing, 21 nothing in college sometimes is nothing. 
It, it usually is because it means you're probably way better. 21 nothing in this league, man. You ain't coming back. I'm sorry, you're not coming back. I know they talked about, well, we, we could have come back from that, and we, we're confident. You know, we were confident our, our group. No, you're not coming back from 21. I'm sorry, you're not. You're just not. That Von Bell holding penalty on the sack cost me a six pick uh, same game oh, parlay for plus oh no. 280. What would you have? I had Bengals oh no. minus two and a half alternate spread. I had Joe Mixon to score a touchdown. I had Burrow over 200 yards passing. I had Bengals over 20 and a half points. Okay. I had Burrow over two touchdown passes. Right. And then the final sixth leg of that parlay was Cincinnati two or more sacks. And that wiped oh, off the second sack. No, because the Logan Wilson sack, I hate to say this. I got a little lucky on that one. I'll admit. You, well, you did because it's it, it, it's technically a sack because a quarterback was stopped behind the line of scrimmage running out of bounds. But it was really not a sack. I mean, Logan Wilson just basically said, All right, can you get out of bounds? I'm going to usher you out. And he did. And it was a loss. And by rule, that is a sack. But that was not the sack that we know the sacks are. But, ooh, that's a bad beat. I'm sorry, man. That's a brutal. Yeah. Beat. That, that was a tough hit because I thought all of those were really good. I felt good about it at plus yeah. two odds. And then, uh, you know, as it's coming down the wire, there, I go, oh, they're going to have to, you know, they're definitely going to get over Ooh. 20 points and all of That's that. Brutal. But, yeah, it was, it was a tough hit. Tough way for it to go. Von Bell, not my favorite guy on the I team. Can right ima- I can imagine. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Another little betting number here is CJ Uzama with the two touchdowns. Did you see what the uh, CJ Uzama two touchdown prop would have paid? Oh, I can only imagine. I'm going to say plus... Plus sixteen hundred, plus twenty five hundred, plus thirty eight hundred, thirty eight to wow. one odds. If you had that, one. wow. A couple people wow. on online did from from did what they, I saw on Twitter. I saw a couple really? tickets, screenshots. Yeah, did they really? Yeah. I, I want to say I told a friend of mine. I think he he was doing a prop on who would score the first Bengals touchdown. And he 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 unwisely asked me T Higgins, and I said, "Well, T's not going to play, so you can take him out of the mix." <laughs> and then I said. CJ, I think I said CJ Uzama is a sneaky pick for that. Oh, so yeah, I didn't say two touchdowns. Trust me, I didn't go the 38 to one, two touchdowns. But you C- don't know if your buddy picked it, do you? I don't. I hope oh, okay. he did. Well, we got to check with him tomorrow. Yeah, I do. I do. He'll probably be checking in with you if he did. He probably will. I didn't get a t- tweet or a text from him tonight saying thank you. So maybe he didn't, or maybe he might have been went- spending the winnings. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I hope he hit it. That's all I can tell you. That's all, all I, right. That's all I know. A couple other numbers. Uh, the NFL has a blog that they put different information out there on. And one of their posts just this week was about the extended schedule going to 17 games and what that'll mean in terms of your chances of making the playoff based on your record, right? So if they always have those stats that'll say a uh, three and two team has right, X right. percent chance of making the playoffs, right? Three and one teams, a 17 game schedule. 67% chance of making the playoffs, skinny. That's where the Bengals are at right now. Those teams, three and one teams since 1995. This is from the 538 blog. They've averaged 9.8 wins, and that's with a 16-game schedule since mm. 1995. So mm. Bengals on pace here early for some really impressive, interesting numbers that would totally be an unexpected delight for fans. That being said, I, I think we'll agree that it's not as straightforward as that with this year's Bengals schedule since it's so backloaded. Yeah. No, that, and that's the thing. It's, it's completely backloaded. All the backloads are all at home for the most part, not all, but most of them. The, the thing for me is the green Bay game. If you steal that win, right. You're four and one, you go to Detroit, you should be five and one. 
and then they go to Baltimore, and I'm I'll chalk that up to a loss. I'm, I'm I'll be fair, five and two, and then the Jets, and that's six and two, and then Cleveland at home at six and two, with a crowd that should be wired at six and two. I mean, and that in the next week, I believe Rick is the buy. If I'm doing this off the top of my head, I don't think you do. But if you got the seven and two, and it's not inconceivable, it's really not. <laughs> you keep giving the seven and two. This is the second straight week you've gotten to seven and two. I know. I don't see that. I don't. I know don't. Where you're I, going I, I. I don't. I don't either. But it's not inconceivable, is it? Well, I mean, I guess. They're at three and one now, so any anything right. is possible. But look, right, the right, Packers, right, right, Packers but, 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 and Ravens are both in the way of that, and I don't see them winning I, I, either. Well, and, and I and I have them getting stopped to the Ravens. But I'm saying, I mean, the the, the two other hard games in that mix, because we could we, we don't have to argue this. I mean, Detroit and the Jets, you should go beat. And I will say this: they should be favored. They probably will be right. So I'm asking, can you win those two home games with with Green Bay? And Cleveland at the end of that, with a loss to Baltimore on the road. I'm again. I'm trying to just do this in all fairness. I mean, I'm not telling you you're going to be seven and two or they're going to be seven and two, but you could. It's not out of the realm with two home games and two winnable road games and then a losable road game. Could you be seven and two? Yeah. Do do you remember the first half from tonight's game? I did. Okay. I'm not not trying to be down on these guys. I'm I'm excited about it. Three and one is great. Dude, dude, I am the most. You're not Mr. Positive usually, but this is the second week in a row. You've gotten seven and two with this team. I do not understand that. I I get it. I'm just saying again, (laughs) if you think that most teams win home games and most do. I don't think the Bengals win most home games. They're two and zero so far this year, <laughs> by three true. points each. By three points each. That's but true. I mean, I mean that that's the thing about this league. It is so week to week that I just have to look at the matchup for that week, and it's uh, they they could do it. I I don't think they will, mind you. Again, I'm not telling you that they will, but it's not like oh, it's a pipe dream. They're not going to beat. Well, it's not a pipe dream. They're at home and they've been pretty good at home so far. They've, they've been resilient to win games. And if you look back at a couple of their, you know, last year, you go back to last year, dude, they're five and I'm doing this off the top of my head. Now they're, they're five and two in their last seven. Okay. You've since you've suckered me into this ridiculous uh, fairy tale of the Bengals, potentially it's going seven and two fairy tale. I'm just giving you a potential. <laughs> I, I know, but you've got me in it and I'm thinking about it. So let me ask you this. What's more likely that the Bengals do what you're saying is possible and go seven and two, or that they end up only winning one more game no. out of this. No, no I, I they lose all three of the tough ones and lose one of the Lions or jets. I don't see those. Uh, no, I, I yeah, I, two and two is the worst. I think they do. Two and I, I, three, or two and we're, yes, t- two we're talking about Packers, Packers, Lions, Ravens, Jets, Browns right now. Yes, two and two and three is the worst they do by far. The worst three and two to me is more probable. They see. Yeah, I think two and three. I think two and three is what's most likely. I think you lose the yeah, Packers, the Ravens, probably and the right. Browns. That's yeah. probably right. But three and two is in play too. It's in play. Yeah, three and two. I think is very much in play now. And <laughs> hey, I didn't think that would would be said. Now I will say, you go back to that back stretch, back loaded stuff. It ain't fun. It ain't easy. But at that point, you go. Hey, it's a pretty good football team. They're winning games. Yeah, I, look, I believe. Look, if they go three and two over this next stretch, even, and, and we're looking at them, and they're uh, what that put them at six and three at that point. Yep, correct. You'll, you'll take Before you'll take bike. pretty much what any whatever no happens doubt. after that. No, no doubt. 
Yeah. No doubt. And at that point, if you could somehow squeak out three more wins or four, then you're in the playoff hunt, which would be amazing. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be amazing. It is. We can dream. It's the three and one. We can dream right we now. Can, this is the fun part of the season. It's for a fact. Once. That's a fact. And you hope they get better because they got to get better in a lot of ways. But yes, you can dream. All right. Anything else? That's all I got. That's all I got too. It was. Uh, it was a. I will say the Ring of Honor was was nice. It it kind of sucked that it came when they were down fourteen nothing and the fans weren't having much oh, of it. How by the way, how great was that? I give a little bit of credit to the fans for this because that was an all time booing performance. I'm not a boo guy, as you know. I'm not a boo I think guy. It's yeah. Stupid, but that was a performance that deserved a boo. Oh, it absolutely. Needs to be booed, and the way it came through on TV was so fantastic. No, I, I'm sure it did. I, and, and you can't always. And you've been in the press box before at Bengals games, covering games. You can't always completely hear it, but you can hear it enough to where like, ooh, that's not a good optic. And I, that's where I, you know, me in the press box, I usually just blurt stuff out. I said, well, this halftime is going to be fun now down 14, nothing. And you could tell that people were like, yeah, you're right, but I'm not going to say anything because <laughs> I don't want anybody to get mad at me. I mean, it, it, that's what sucked is because that should have been such a sell. It should have been 14, nothing Bengals. What a celebration of a night for those people. And it still was. I mean, they did a nice job with it. I'll give credit where credit's due. I, they did a really nice job with that. Um, and it's a short time frame because it's only a 12-minute halftime, so you got to do it really quickly. But I thought they did a great job with that. And I was, uh, I'm kind of glad to look up and go, okay, now you're a real NFL stadium. And, Rick, the other thing, I don't know if it showed up on TV. I honestly don't. But they had a really nice pregame music kind of light show with the LED lights that um, Paul Daner Jr. and I from the Athletic, we kind of looked at each other. I said, this looks like a real NFL pregame thing. What are we doing? I mean, this was pretty fun. This is good. They're doing a good job. So, again, I'm going to give credit where credit's due um, because I can guarantee at some point this year I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to kick them in the ass when I need to kick them in the ass. They make me mad. There you go. Good stuff. All right, bro. Um, we will be back on uh, Thursday of next week. Uh, so uh, we'll be back with our weekly podcast. And then the following Sunday when the Bengals play the Packers, so we'll be back for those two podcasts. It has been a long night for both of us, but we appreciate you guys listening. And thanks to our guy, Ryan Kiefer from Prime Lender. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner, the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals post-game edition. <laughs>